0: Or click the support us link in the show notes for this episode.
1: You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now.
0: Cinema geekly Star Trek podcast. It's the Chief Petty Officer Anthony Lewis along with the Fleet Admiral Ben Knight. Ben, are you ready to talk more Discovery this week? I am that. It's been really good. I'm Hasn't so, it? I'm so excited to be talking. Like, look, I was. Uh, always, I think we always had fun talking about Star Trek uh, when Discovery uh, cropped up. We were just happy to have a Star Trek podcast uh, mm-hmm. and we enjoyed the shows enough. But. This third season, like, I'm actively excited after every episode to talk about the episodes, um, which tells me we are in an excellent place. And today we are talking about season three of Discovery, episode seven, called Unification Three. And it is, in fact, exactly what I thought it sounded like last week. We are talking about Vulcans and Romulans. So... After studying several black boxes, if we remember back, um, Booker gave uh, Burnham a black box. She's now uh, studied several of them. Uh, Burnham believes that she can find the source of the burn with a little bit more data. And she wants access to the Federation project titled SB-19, a possible space travel alternative to dilithium that was developed by what we now learn is the unified homeworld of Vulcans and Romulans no longer called Vulcan, Ben, but renamed mm. Navar? They did a, a branding switch-up. Uh, they believe, yeah,
1: yes. That's a really weird callback as well. Navar, by the way.
0: Hmm. Uh, they believe that SB nineteen caused the burn and do not want to give the data to the Federation, who they have now left. In fact, it's been a hundred years since Navarians or Vulcans or Romulans or whatever have been in the Federation. Uh, CNC Vance believes that Burnham can convince them otherwise since her brother Spock began the process of unifying, uh, unifying the Vulcans and the Romulans centuries ago at Navarre, Burnham invokes the, the, what is this? The Takal in cat. How's my Vulcan? Is it good? Yeah. Okay. It's pretty,
1: yeah, it's pretty
0: fun. A Vulcan trial intended to verify her scientific claim to the SB nineteen data. She is represented by her mother Gabrielle, who was previously trapped in the future and has since joined the uh, the Coat. What is that? Is that, is that right? The Coat Malat. We we talked about them yeah.
1: in Picard, right? We've met them previously. Yeah.
0: Yes, a sect of Romulan warrior nuns. Yes. Um, Gabrielle makes I still find that that funny (laughs) it's amazing right (laughs) Uh, Gabrielle makes Burnham confront her own intentions and sense of confusion about her destiny leading to Burnham withdrawing from the trial impressed by this Navarre president Tarina gives Burnham the SB19 data meanwhile in the B plot but again a tremendous one Saru Mm. names Tilly As his new first officer, Ben. Your thoughts on
1: Unification Three? Okay, A plot first, I guess. Yeah. Um, the only weird thing about the A plot is how Gabrielle is. Oh yeah, I just appeared here and then decided to join this cult. So that was (laughs) warrior nuns, Ben. Do I mean? It's hard to not want to join that, honestly. Absolutely, especially ones who can't help but tell the truth because yes, uh, absolute candor. Yeah, I mean that's which was a yeah that was a Picard episode title as well, and they brought it up here. Uh, Well, yeah. Well, on the subject of that, Nivar is um, this is one for the real nerds. Mm -hmm. Nivar was a term used in like a Star Trek fanzine in the late sixties. Um, Crazy. And it was it was the name for a Vulcan um, form of uh, artwork. Yeah. So there was like Navarre poetry and stuff like that. Huh. And the idea it, it means to form in uh, in Vulcan. Tremendous. So yeah, yeah um, I suppose it's obvious that that's what the planet would end up being called. But um, the first but, of yeah. uh, of several references. And by the way,
0: speaking of absolute candor, not the only reference to Jean Luc Picard in this episode either.
1: No, quite, quite.
0: His name gets dropped in this episode.
1: It does, and, and actually, while we're on n- nice references, I suppose we've, we've mentioned other ones. Yeah. Um, the the black boxes here yes. are from various places, including the USS Yeltsin. That was uh, Which is a lovely nod to um, Anton the, Yelchin, yep. the lovely Anton Yelchin, who unfortunately is no longer with us. Yeah. Um, so Star Trek continues um, nodding at all of those in the Trek family, which just is just ridiculous. Uh, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: As soon as I heard um, it, I'm like, Oh my God, really guys? Like, come on. Yeah.
1: And especially, and you know, and it was from the other branch of Star Trek as well. Yeah. So good. For yeah. them. Good for mm-hmm. them. Um, yeah. So uh, the, 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 a plot to this, I mean, it was, it was holy as all hell, but yeah. somehow, I didn't really care. I'm, no. I'm giving Discovery quite a lot of free passes at the moment, and mm-hmm. it won't last forever. But actually, I don't care that there are so many weird bits about the a plot to this. Ultimately, yeah. you know, the <laughs> that uh, that panel does not do what it says on the t- the tin. The Takalin Ket seems to have um, come. Quite some way since its original inception, in terms yeah. of its its remit, um, there was an awful lot of feeling going on rather than um, yes. logic, and you know the scientific scrutiny that they were. I mean, I, I was picturing them pulling her back onto slightly nerdy science stuff, whereas in actual fact, no one was concerned about the science. It was all, I mean, but I think the problem with that is the science was kind of basic. The science is, mm-hmm. yeah, well, um, triangulation. Uh, yeah. What, what, what do y'all need to know? Um, yeah. Uh, uh, so, you know, as with a lot of plots in, in science fiction generally, don't, don't look too hard uh, mm. at that. But um, but yeah, so that the real mystery that it's setting up, I suppose, is uh, what gives Vulcans or yeah. Nivarians with your issue over SB19? Why... Why are you thinking you're responsible? What were you doing at the time that made you wonder if you might have been responsible? Yeah. Um, and, you know, you're a scientific bunch. Surely you figured out that you could work this out with this thing mm-hmm. Going on. Well, we'll find out in due course, because the data is now in the hands of uh, Michael Burnham. Yeah. Yay. Um, so, yeah, A-plot. Uh, all of that went on. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, we haven't really necessarily see, and I'm not sure we really will, I think it's just being taken as read, why Burnham is so obsessed with finding out the origin of the Burn. Yeah. Um, rather than her fixation being on the, the rebuilding of Starfleet. Yes, um, Because, it, you know, fix the blame, don't fix the problem, as middle management might say. Yeah. Um, uh, no, yeah, you know what I mean. Um, they perhaps, I find it weird that she's not going, okay, look, we've got this spore ship, we can travel all over the place and start fixing you know, um, subspace relays and putting shit back together mm-hmm. um, and instead she's like mm, but, but whose fault was this? I mean she's basically she's she's the she's the woman in the office that you've always worked in where she hides the stapler in, in the drawer and locks her drawer I think. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There's a lot going on with, with you Burnham and um, I don't know. Uh, her mum, uh, I can't remember the actress's name. Her performance was was superb as Burnham's mum, and actually it brought out um, an excellent sort of uh, yeah, a bit set piece, but a, a really good uh, scene where she breaks her down as her um, advocate, yep. and you know then you learn what the real function of that is. And mm-hmm. I think we actually made a bit of progress with understanding Burnham a bit in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the B plot, yeah. Um, uh, it's the thing that I wasn't going to be happy about. Has happened, is not it? Yeah. So there is literally no logic to Tilly being appointed first officer of Discovery. Um, no, not really. No. She she's an ensign, Um, so she's not even you know it's not where um, it's a lieutenant who's been promoted over a lieutenant commander or a commander. Mm-hmm. She's a goddamn ensign. Yeah. And she is a scatty one who. Doesn't do well in a crisis quite often, and <laughs> um, has a, you know we seem to have forgotten that she's had quite a few run-ins with various crew members over the yes. previous couple of series. I, I just don't understand the necessity to make Tilly the first officer. And I feel I
0: like from a, I feel like from an in canon perspective, there's ooh. probably not like Saru tried to make the best case he could make, and I'm like eh, I don't know if I'm really buying it. From no. It sounded like bollocks, didn't it? Yeah. From a television production standpoint, uh, Tilly feels like the one character who is a main character in the show who also doesn't need to be where they already are. Like, mm-hmm. you can't pull Stamets from where he is. You can't pull Jet Reno from where she is. You can't pull Hugh Culber from where he is. You can't pull, like, Detmer oh, or, like, everybody else is where they need to be. Tilly is kind of the only sort of wandering, aimless character.
1: And if it can't Just be Michael. minister without portfolio, I suppose that's Yeah, true. and
0: he's not going to pick Giorgio, which
1: would also be tremendous. But he's not going to pick But right, her. it should be Nilsson. I mean, Wilson... Yes like following the usual conventions is the obvious yes. choice. But
0: um Saru tried to make his case and quite honestly this is one of those things I, I didn't really buy it, but mm. um I'll tell you what ended up selling me on it is they were just so goddamn sweet about it, Ben, that I didn't care. Uh at the end when she goes mm-hmm. to when she goes to Stamets and she wants to ask his opinion and at first he's like, "Huh?" What? Like she's like so Saru offered me first officer and the look on his face was tremendous. He's like, "Wait, what?" Um <laughs> and he's like, "I don't know if I could ever get used to taking orders from you." Um he's like that would be weird. But like at the end yeah. when they're all there and they're like just say yes. And, like they have her back or whatever. Like it doesn't make a lot of sense. It but it doesn't. The like they made it they made it work for me because i believed that all of the crew literally was like you should do it and it's like it doesn't fit within the conventions of starfleet or the chain of command or anything else but like i still bought it because partially because they've done some of the groundwork in these previous episodes to make this crew feel more like friends in a family And when this scene happened, it just felt like legitimately they were all okay with it. And I'm like, okay, then I'm okay with it. Like, I just, I just bought it, even though it doesn't make any sense.
1: I feel like we've got to write it off as being part of the restructure. Yeah. Because I mean, it's clearly born of the need to restructure the show rather than for any actual plot reason, because it, it, it's basically a stupid idea. Yeah. But, I think that's maybe that's why I'm giving them a few free passes because mm-hmm. they, you know, there's been such a change of personnel, um, real world personnel in yes. the show. There's been such a need to pull it in a different direction. This is, you know, the third iteration of Discovery, effectively, as we've discussed before. Mm-hmm. And and they are nailing it and they've got to commit to it. Frankly, even if they were utterly shitting the bed, they'd still have to commit to it this time around. Otherwise, yeah. that would be toast. But as it happens, they are completely nailing it. Mm-hmm. But that means, as you say, and yeah, I think, you, I think you're right. She's She is the sort of floating member of the crew yeah. who probably needs some justification for being a... I suppose yeah. as well, it ties into the whole idea of needing a bridging character between um, Super Starfleet Saru and <laughs> rather less orthodox uh, yes. Burnham and... Um, and some of the some of the others in fact because i think they're all a little bit um mm. <laughs> prone to being a little bit off kilter actually aren't they yeah. of this crew so yeah i mean it, it gets the free pass because it's serving a point do you think tilly as a character is going to survive what i suspect will be a full seven seasons of this show i don't know um and
0: and in honesty to be fair to the writing for this episode, Saru does mention that it's just an acting role, but like mm. she's not full first officer. I believe he's had an acting first officer while well, I find someone suitable to take it. So mm-hmm. now maybe she grows into the role and he just gives it to her. Um, but for mm. the time being, it's just an acting role, but even then it, it still messes with the, the chain of command conventions or whatever. But, um, We still wouldn't give, you know, an acting commander role or whatever. But um, that being said, uh, I don't know. Uh, I feel like she's already made some changes to her character over the... Like, she has grown a little bit, and it Mm -hmm. really sort of just depends. Like, I don't know if she is the way she
1: is now, if she'd be there in seven years. but um, I feel like her character kind of regressed in this episode compared to... As in the way... Like her, her manner regressed mm-hmm. compared to some of the evolution in her character that we've seen over the last few episodes, mm-hmm. and I think that's actually a little bit disappointing. Yeah, um, I, I'm I'm not I'm not the biggest Tilly fan. I I yeah. think she's all, she's in danger of becoming the Jar Jar Binks of Discovery.
0: <sighs> Oof, that is a. I mean, that's still going to be way better than actual Jar Jar Binks, but well, obviously, <laughs> yeah, uh, but. I, and I will say this: is like a coronavirus my, is bad than <laughs> the actual touch-up. <Joshua. laughs> I will say this. Um, in like another small nod to a small concession that I'm willing to make as well for this move, Saru kind of does sort of awkwardly, maybe kind of clunkily make the point that at least this is what I thought he was getting at. He's like, look, we've all kind of traveled really far into the future. And uh, you are now just as experienced in this world as pretty much everybody else on this ship is, Uh, which kind of, I mean, maybe not when it comes to like a leadership position,
1: but well, that's the problem, isn't it? It's the first officer. Their role is, is entirely, I mean, their management and admin um, for most of their time, they do the rosters and that's not something she's, Got any more experience you know, it, it in? Makes yes, makes no sense as an explanation. Mm, not the head of a department or anything like that. No, no, no. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but yeah, I think it really just boiled down to those logistics that they she was kind of just floating around from place to place, and everybody else was where they needed to be, uh, and they didn't want That's to remove them world. from those spots. So, yeah. um, th- so that makes that makes that makes sense in that regard. But uh, I thought that they handled it so well. That I was like, ah, oh, all is forgiven. That was adorable. Um, <laughs> so I was, I was, I was happy with that. And I even like the the tag with Michael at the end, where she got there late, uh, and she's like, "Did, did I did miss I, the cool?" Yeah, she's yeah. like, "Did I did I miss the part where we all say just
1: do it?" And they're have like, "Have you noticed yeah. though? Have you noticed that like in season one of Discovery, when Saru said that it would have said that to her if that had been in season one, she'd have said." Oh fuck! Yes, but she oh, the effing and, and jeffing has disappeared from season three. Yeah, there's been less swears. Yeah, I'm not sure we've had. We might have had Well, we've had a couple of shits, I think. But yeah. that's all. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it kind of felt weird in Star
0: Trek. Everybody, <laughs> it's just yeah, weird it really to did. hear. It's just weird to hear Starfleet people say fuck after. So many shows, so many seasons of like nobody ever swearing. It felt jarring in the movies when it happened, the few times it happened there.
1: Um, Now talking of jarring, how did you feel about Hologram Spock? uh, You know what? I was, I actually enjoyed that. Was
0: that a scene from Unification? It was. Yeah. Um,
1: Honestly, I was just happy to see it. Um, I didn't find it that jarring in that. Mm-hmm. Um, like when you look back at um, I've forgotten the actor's name who plays Spock in Discovery. No, um, come back to me. It might not. Yeah. Um, when you look at him and then look, you know, forward to Nimoy. Yeah. that's a far sharper resemblance. Weirdly, mm-hmm. than I mean, you could actually put Quinto in between the the two of them as like young one middle-aged one and old one yeah and it kind of worked I mean Zachary Quinto it's such a shame that you know he's kind of been lost in the 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 mess of the um, JJ-verse really but the uh, it I I didn't like I felt her reaction to seeing Spark I mean maybe it's a testament to her abilities as an actress that I didn't find it that difficult to buy that that's her looking at her younger brother Mm mm-hmm I don't know. Uh, Ethan Peck is his name. That's the fella. That's the fella.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought... Um, like, when I saw that, I just... I don't know. I thought that was tremendous. Um, I like the the callback to the history. Obviously, it ties in with the episode. Obviously, Michael would want to be curious about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Her performance uh, in that moment was tremendous. I mean, she's always great at emoting, um, sometimes too good at it. Uh, she's excellent
1: in this episode.
0: Yeah, and it was just perfect. Uh, I, I thought it was tremendous, and it was just great to see it, I thought. Just to see like Leonard Nimoy, to see that Spock on Star Trek on TV again was was pretty great and you know to get that kickback reference to Jean-Luc Picard and Mm -hmm. to the unification uh parts one and two during
1: next gen um, and it kind of fulfills Spock's arc as well so the mm -hmm. slightly sentimental um Trek fan in me is pleased to see Nimoy um (laughs) sort of in the episode in which we finally see the resolution to to that arc as well after you know 40 years. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I just, I just thoroughly uh, enjoyed that and they did it. They did it very well. Like they didn't go too over the top with it uh, or anything like that. Like you can, you can do too much fan servicey stuff, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. But I thought this played into everything beautifully and uh, yep. I loved it.
1: The Romulans seem to have been culturally obliterated by Vulcan's um, For the most part, it, it feels like that, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was strange. Although, when they first arrive and they talk about, you know, the long-range scanners and everything else, I mean, uh, I did initially think, oh, dear, yes, they unified, but it, it wasn't heavily influenced by the Vulcan side. That sounds very Telsiar, very, Vulcan, uh, very Romulan. But yeah. actually, then you see the representation of um, sort of three parts of Nibar mm-hmm. anyway, and it all feels very Vulcan, but like, yeah, with a bit more. I don't know. Well, a bit, the, the mm-hmm. logic is heavily diluted. I felt. Yeah, talking I mean, of you've oh, got so
0: Vance. I, go. I was going to say Vance as well. At one point, says that it was the Vulcans who pushed for, or the Romulans who pushed for Navarre to stay in the Federation.
1: Mm. Um, and it was the Vulcans who pulled away. So, yeah, there's there's obviously more to that story that. I hope we get to explore in the fullness of time. Anyway,
0: mm-hmm. I was just happy. The Romulans looked like the Romulans. Yes. They didn't go yeah. for any sort of crazy redesign. Look, they just looked like the Romulans. Um,
1: <laughs> what, what could you possibly be referring to? <laughs> we haven't seen any Klingons yet. Uh, Not yet. Season. Not yet. So I'm guessing there's, there's, there's Klingon stuff to come. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I think they just want to allow the stink to clear, uh, <laughs> Yes. Which might not be a bad idea. Um, Talking of, oh yes, talking of potential stink. Um, So, uh, what about the, the lodger in the, in the shuttle bay and that storyline? Oh, the, um, the stuff with like Booker or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Book and the star of the show who clearly should be top of the credits. Grudge. Grudge, Yes. Um, Space cat. So they're living, they're basically, they've got a granny flat. Yeah. um, Which is, Cute and weird, (laughs) a little yeah. What is what is that? How's that going to go? Any thoughts? I, I mean,
0: so the uh, there's a lot hinging on Burnham. Not sure if she really belongs on Discovery, but then ultimately deciding that yes, she does. Um Mm. and. Booker's basically like, well, where the fuck does that leave me? And she's like, I don't Which know. Which is where a does that good question. Yeah. She's like, I don't know. Where does that leave you? Because, you know, we're kind of like lovers now. Uh, and we have our, our fur baby. And... and we live in a caravan. Yeah. Means, yeah. I mean, I feel like either Booker becomes a Neelix-like character, mm-hmm. where hopefully not too much like Neelix, um, but a Neelix-like character where he's aboard the ship but he's not Starfleet um, he helps but he's not officially crew or he decides to become Starfleet I guess if I don't see him leaving I don't feel like they he look good in the, the uniform setup. yeah it, it, yeah that's true he did look good in the uniform mm. uh, you know I don't it's it, it's either it's either those things or he dies like I don't see him leaving
1: uh, they just it's, set it's up how relationship. Discovery acquire a relationship. It's how Discovery acquired a shuttlecraft, I suppose. Because, of course, Discovery... Yes. Um, I don't recall whether it has any sort of shuttle on board at all originally, but... Well, I think it um, did, but... Oh, it did. Of course it did, because it was used by um, Spock to go and... Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's a whole lot now, because Book's giant ship is taking up most of the shuttle bay, but... And we know Spock trashed one of them. Yes. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so may- maybe we've got a... Mm-hmm. a A Neelix situation. Well, you know, better be careful because Janeway will turn up and try and murder him. Um, (laughs) Only if he, only if he gets, only if he he gets crossed. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah.
1: Grooker? Yeah. Um, Budge. Gruger? Gruger? No, that's the wrong show. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I'm going with Budge. I like Budge. Budge. Perfect. There it is. There it is. You're welcome, Star Trek. You can have that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm.
0: Hopefully, it won't be as
1: morally uh, deflating as that Tuvix episode was. Oh, well, if you tell you, I mean, it was, but the most uh, disturbing thing that I've heard about Voyager this week uh, was uh, uh, Kate Mulgrew talking to Garrett Wang and, uh, oh, Christ, Tom Paris actor um, Uh, Robert Duncan McNeil. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they've got they've got a, a podcast where every week they watch an episode of Voyager mm-hmm. and they're doing them in order from start to finish, and that we've just like reached good fun. Oh, it's it's great fun. I, I don't listen to all of them, but I dip in and out. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> this week, uh, if I was last week now, is the episode uh oh Christ, the name's what is wrong with my brain today? Um, mm, uh, the, the the two slug things shagging. When oh, yeah, Bart yeah, and yeah. I know what you're talking school. about, but I don't remember the name of the episode, but I know what you're it, talking it's about. It's one of the most disturbing conversations I've ever heard two actors have. <laughs>
0: it's one of the worst um, episodes
1: of Voyager as well. but um. It is. I, I, do, I always write it out of my brain as even existing. because In fact, generally on my watch throughs, I get about 15 minutes into it and skip it. I, I One of the few episodes ever of Star Trek. I just cannot stand. I, I never skip it, but I always go to my phone. <laughs> yeah sensible um i'm 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 scrolling twitter or something well yeah and kate Mulgrew said you know of all the episodes you could finally get me on your podcast to discuss it had to be this one (laughs) didn't it um the worst episode of star trek ever made well done boys um so clearly they're not fans either they all hate it yeah um but yeah if you feel like a really uncomfortable squirmy giggle (laughs) um because there's a lot that's just uh, about that. Uh, go and have a listen to to their show. I'm going to go add that
0: to my podcast feed
1: immediately. It's a lot of fun. That sounds like and a lot of fun. Garrett Wang is such a Star Trek nerd. Bless him. Oh, I tremendous. Wish, I want to give him a little hug and just go. There are other things in life, honey. It's okay. Eh, I mean, look. I, I know I'm there... sat here doing this show right now. So yeah, I get
0: <laughs> that. But... I knew there was a reason he and I shared the same birthday, Ben. Um, well, and, and did you cry over the fact,
1: why can't Seven and Janeway just get along? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I had those thoughts. Um, did you? Know, you never well, as long as you don't have to, have to start a hashtag for you, although I really should have thought better at the hashtag for, for him when he did that at that con. Hug the wang is just not <laughs> a hashtag I should have put out there. But it did, just hug the It wang. did well. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Don't incidentally. Don't don't go look up that. Yeah, yeah. Don't
0: Google that. Nothing. That's bad. Oh, bad God. times. Yeah, um, <laughs> not, at, not at work. Anyway. Uh, final <laughs> thoughts on uh, final final thoughts on Unification Three, Ben. And what would you give it?
1: I would say it's a housekeeping episode, and that's a necessary evil. Uh, it, it could have been way worse and way clunkier, and. It actually made for an enjoyable, strong episode that is strong until you look it in the eye and then you realize that it's really not. But um, <laughs> as a result, I'm going to give this episode as enjoyable as it was a uh, three, uh, three and a quarter. There you go.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. I gave this a very sturdy four. Mm. I liked it. Um, but then again, uh, you know, you give me a little Leonard Nimoy. You give me a little mm. a reference to the the Star Trek of my youth. Uh, give me a couple of sweet moments in this episode where I completely overlook all of the things that should like be setting off alarms in my head
1: about like oh, this doesn't make any sense. Was, yeah. Well, the quote point was for um, our daily departed. So <laughs> um, I don't know. I thoroughly,
0: uh, I thoroughly continue to enjoy this season. Give me yeah. more, and we get a Frakes episode next week. <sighs> So always something to look forward to.
1: Um, Do we know how many episodes that are officially finally now? Because that confirmed for this season. uh, There are going to be 13 episodes. Oh, no. That means we're more than halfway through.
0: Yes. And uh, episodes nine and ten looks like they're a two-parter. So there is that. Okay. Okay. So uh, that's the podcast for this week, everybody. Head on over to CinemaGeekly.com where you can check out the archives of the show. And of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Just search for I'm a Doctor, not a podcast. Hit subscribe, and uh, that way you can come back next time to hear us talk about more Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 8. It's called The Sanctuary.